0: listening to the Village Church Podcast Show. Mark Clark here, uh, host of the Village Church Podcast Show. Glad you're listening. We are here today with Paul Johnson, who is the lead pastor of South Delta Baptist Church, uh, which, uh, you know, has a... Huge tie to me because it was the church I planted Village Church out of, and so thanks for letting me do that, Paul. Oh man, I mean, I can't believe what God's done. It's amazing to see. It's uh, it, it's amazing, and I and I remember going back to uh, 2008 when you came on and talking about what would it look like to plant a church, and uh, and you were very gracious, uh, gave us people. Uh, gave me the opportunity, trained me up, and sent me out. And God has done some awesome things. And both well, we of spent a churches. lot of time
1: together. We had a lot of fun doing it. A lot and, of fun. Uh, ate a lot of really bad lunches at different restaurants. and uh, <laughs> Mostly Tim Hortons. And yeah. Mostly I paid. Was it? No. No. Okay. No. You paid. Not okay. at all, in fact. That's something <laughs> that everyone should know.
0: So um, the reason I want to interview you was uh, I wanted to hit this theme of how to stay Christian through suffering. Um, we all face suffering at different levels in our life. Uh, we come into painful situations and, uh, and you, uh, unfortunately, have been through uh, two, specifically two really awful scenarios in your life. And, um, and I wanted to uh, delve into those uh, as deep as we can and, and try to really um, unpack what does it look like for a Christian to suffer? Um, what are we thinking about? How do we survive it? Um, and so why don't you, uh, the, the two scenarios that really happened to you that, uh, I want to hone in on is, uh, years ago, your wife, Jody, uh, got breast cancer mm-hmm. and passed away. And you obviously worked through that for a lot of time. And then your son, Taylor was killed, murdered. Um, and so I want to delve into both of those things. So why don't you uh, frame it by just telling us, um, the stories of both of those things so they can be in the backdrop And then we can delve into questions that will kind of relate to both of them. So tell us about Jody and how all that happened and what you went through, and then tell us about Taylor. Sure. So
1: uh, Jody was uh, 38 years old when she got sick. This was back in uh, uh, 2000-ish, right in that area. And you were living where? We were living in Tucson. I was a pastor at a church in Tucson, Arizona at that point. And uh, we had kids that were about 11, 9, and 7. Okay. And uh, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. She went through all the treatment that was, uh, you know, uh, that most people go through, radiation, Mm. chemo. And after the first year, she was declared uh, free of cancer. Mm. But about a couple months later, uh, it happened that she went in for a checkup because her back was hurting and they Mm. had found out that the cancer had come back. And so uh, she got a... A diagnosis of having a year to live at that point, which was pretty much right on the money. So hmm. she was 40 when she died. And uh, then I became a, a single parent, you know, and uh, tried to shepherd my kids through it. Yeah. Dealt with the public nature of it because it was a rather large church of a couple thousand people. Yeah. And it was uh, <laughs> obviously a very trying, difficult, strange you know, weird experiences, the kind of thing where you, as a pastor, you're always helping somebody else through that. And then all of a sudden it happened, uh, to our family. So, you know, we worked through it and, um, we, we moved on and, um, and Taylor was one of those children that had to experience his mom's death. And so Taylor and his mom were Taylor at the time. Taylor was, uh, when, jody died uh, taylor would have been um about nine okay. nine or ten yeah so taylor really struggled with that in his life mm-hmm. and he loved his mom they were very very close and uh, we ended up ended up getting remarried uh, we blended a family we moved out here <laughs> to bc to pastor south delta mm-hmm. and uh taylor um was um house seating in langley by this time now he's um, 21 years old. Mm-hmm.
0: And this was what year?
1: This was 2013. Okay. So we'll be coming up on the three-year anniversary in February. Okay. And he was house-sitting <clears throat> and um, he was paid some money to, to go to a home that had a marijuana grow up in the basement. Mm-hmm. Uh, some guys came to rob that. Uh, they didn't know anybody would be there. Taylor was. They saw him. Uh, they shot him and they killed him. Mm-hmm. And that experience was... A little bit different than the first one because they had so many elements to it. You sure. had the initial loss, then you had to go through the whole period of investigation. It was very public. You know, we were doing press conferences on TV. Yeah, and it took a long time before we even knew um, what had happened or how he got killed because the detectives had to keep all of that confidential until right. they made arrests. Um,
0: so it was grueling. Yeah, That's
1: it sabbatical. was. And then after the arrest, <laughs> you have to, you have to wait for the court date and then you have to go back into court. And then the whole thing, huh. you know, took a couple of
0: years to kind of resolve itself. So you're continuously going back and kind of ripping off the bandaid and... Yeah, in a lot stuff.
1: of ways there's, and even now, you don't know there are other guys there. Only one man's been arrested so who knows when they're going to call and say listen we found one of these other guys and go through the whole process again wow wow
0: okay so um going back to um jody here you are uh you're a pastor you're a father um your wife's going through treatment suffering for a year year and a half um how how did you find the once she passed and you're kind of left with you what Talk about the, 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 stresses, the tensions really practically. What, what are some of the things that just happened that you were like, I don't know how to, I thought I knew how to do X. I don't know. My wife's yeah. gone now and now I got three. I don't know what. I didn't know how
1: to do anything. Really. Right. I mean, um, my kids will tell you that they the meals they ate for that period of time were
0: right. A lot of zoodles. And, that's right. 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 <laughs> yeah.
1: Pretty much spaghetti every night. Right. Right. Um, what I found that I wasn't prepared for was of course the, your focus as a parent on the grieving of your kids. Yeah. So you're trying to shepherd them hmm. through this, right? Because, you know, they're laying in bed at night and they're screaming for their mom and you have no way to address that, yeah. right? And then your heart is breaking, but you can't let yourself go to the dark side because you've got your kids, right? right? You've got to stay in there for your kids. Hmm. I had to provide, at least my thought process at the time was I have to preserve, pre- present a christian example i have to shepherd them through this right which i think ultimately was a blessing because it helped me to stay focused on on that sure i don't think i dealt with my grief very well mm-hmm. because i was dealing with my kids sure i didn't i didn't understand how to do that and so i was really lost when it came to that so what do you,
0: that. what do you mean you didn't do it well? so i didn't did you not I, go to counseling did you not
1: um i didn't go to i, I didn't go to counseling at that point because mm-hmm. i didn't even know that counseling was available for us, hmm. and it was so intense at times that uh, that we were in survival mode the whole time. Hmm. And so, as a parent, how do you how do you look at three children that have just lost their mother? Yeah. And what do you say to that? You, right. There is no, there is no good response to that. No. So as they as they as they grieved, and you, each of course each each of them was grieving differently. So you have to try mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. present each one differently right you just end up crying out to god and saying like um you've got to do something here because i didn't have any of that wherewithal within myself and then there's all these other things that start swirling around you like you know there's there's women starting to swirl around you and there's these decisions to make and Mm -hmm. there's you know the world's providing temptations for you because now all of a sudden you're hurting and you want to medicate that yeah i remember many times that um I would want to medicate that pain and, uh, God would, would, would stop me somehow mm-hmm. from getting mm-hmm. into pornography or, mm-hmm. or go out and, and, you know, do a night of, of drinking and stuff because the pain was so acute. You could yeah. I could feel it in my chest. Totally. Right. Yeah. And so I really see God's protection over me and my family mm-hmm. during that period of time, because he didn't let me take those steps, right. even though I wanted to, he always blocked it every time.
0: Right. Was your, uh, was your temptation at the time, like you're saying to medicate, was it to jump right back into a relationship.
1: There was that temptation for yeah. sure because right. that's the easiest way to cope. That's right. Yeah. And, and if you'd like being married, yeah, then it seems like a natural step. Right. So I actually did date, um, a lady who was, who was great, but it was really unfair to her because I ended up having to break it off because yeah. I didn't realize all the ramifications of what I was dealing with. Right. And, uh, fortunately I had friends around me that were speaking truth to me Yeah, saying like, you, you know, this isn't the thing for you right now, Paul, you got to stop.
0: Yeah. So talk about, um, during her treatment. Um, I remember you telling me a story one time, uh, that the Christian community, um, wants to, wants to help. Um, Mm -hmm. and so they want to come and clean quotes. Yeah. yeah, They want to come and clean my house Yeah, and, uh, you know, do that. But the problem is that I need to clean my house before they come and clean my house. I remember that stuck out to me. Okay. So talk about that. Um, both in relationship when you were dealing with Jody during Mm -hmm. the treatment and after she passed away and with Taylor, uh, the Christian community is this great thing, but talk about what is someone in the midst of that kind of pain? What do they want? What, what, what's, what's the right thing for the Christian community to say and do, and what's the wrong thing for the Christian community to say and do?
1: Yeah, that's a great question because, um, The Christian community means well, but they basically don't have a clue about how to deal with this stuff. Fairness, though, neither do (laughs) non-believers. Right, yeah, of course, yeah. So you end up, as you're grieving and going through this, and anyone who's listening right now that's been through this knows what I'm talking about, you end up having to be the teacher and the leader through your own grief of helping people understand how to deal with you. So Added burden. An added burden, for sure. So what the wrong things to do are try to explain the pain away by the fact that God has a purpose in this, which of course he does. You don't need somebody else to be telling you that. Mm. Do not say, you know, it's great. You're going to see that person again in heaven Mm. because fundamentally that relationship that you've lost will never be the same because at least theologically I think heaven will not be a place where there are family definitions and wives and husbands and so forth. Mm. So, what was robbed of me was, uh, Jody will not be my wife. Taylor, I am no longer Taylor's father. That, that's gone. Right. So for having somebody say it's okay because you're going to see him again, is, is, it doesn't, doesn't hit at all. Hmm. Um, to prescribe ways to get somebody treated. Hey, I know this doctor. Hmm. I know this medication. Hmm. Have you gone online and seen this?
0: Go to Israel. Here's yeah the latest go dog. to Germany right
1: They right, got great doctors right, there right right and I would just look at them and say, "I think I have good doctors here right but it's this constant sort of um instead of instead of just walking alongside the person, here's what I really need yeah I needed people just to say, I love you hmm. um people that would walk by and just touch my arm hmm. um that's all i've I needed right. People, because that sent a signal, I'm with you, but I'm not going to intrude. You tell me what you
0: need. Right. Right? Is if saying you, that, let me know if you need, like, is that too quaint? Is that too trite? Um, no, I think that's okay. You need. It, is
1: that another burden? It can be. Yeah. Like, just something simple like bringing a meal to the house.
0: Yeah, So people good? would start
1: bringing meals. Right. Not necessarily. Right. Because they come and, and then you're obligated to to eat the food they bring, yeah, you're obligated to say thank you, and you're obligated to clean all the pans and stuff and then try to get it back to... Me. I remember uh, when Jody died, I had, you know, <laughs> pans stacked up in my kitchen, I didn't know who they belonged to anymore. Oh,
0: man.
1: So, so fortunately, yeah. when we went through this cycle with Taylor, I had mm-hmm. learned that lesson, so we had a couple of ladies in the church who handled that whole thing, so only one person ever came to the house. Yeah. And it was always in disposable containers yeah, yeah. and we could eat it whenever we wanted right. to. So you but, didn't have to socially
0: interact with all the different faces and that's right. prote- get your energy level right. up for this person exactly coming to the it. door and all got to talk Because to especially
1: them. Yeah. with Taylor, because of the nature of it, because there was violence involved with yeah. it, our family was very vulnerable um, because yeah, we didn't know how he was killed. We were afraid. We didn't know if, if these people were, um, they knew where we lived, sure. they, you know. So and you had
0: two young boys. Two young How boys, Joshua they, and
1: Reagan, were six. Yeah, and so they were they were terrified, of course. And so to even interact with somebody at a in a store, yeah, or in a restaurant yeah. was it felt like your chest was wide open and somebody could just tear it out of you. Right.
0: So 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 you're you're my pastor, or you're just a Christian that I know. This awful things happens to you with your wife, your son, I see you in the grocery store. It's happened three months ago. What do I do? What do I say? Do I ignore it or no. do I say something?
1: You walk up and you say, I'm sorry this happened to you. We're praying for you. Right. And then you walk away. Okay. Don't ignore it. One of the big problems is, you know, people are afraid to talk about it. So I understand I'm sending two different messages here. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, well, no, and this is the difficulty. This is the, yeah, 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 this yeah, is yeah. the tension. Right. People generally that have lost somebody want to talk about that person. Right. I like talking about Taylor. Yeah. I like talking about Jody yeah. uh, because that person is still very much alive to me. Yeah. So to ignore it leaves the person wondering if anybody even cares anymore because generally people move on
0: and you're still right. stuck and people, with your thing. People say, I'm not going to bring it up because it feels like it's tearing off an old wound. For the sufferer, is that mythology is that actually wrong that's wrong that's wrong people that's want to talk about saying it. oh it's taylor's birthday today is actually health it's good it yes. feels good yes for you
1: right got a friend that both and i used to work with um used to do youth at south delta yeah. every year on taylor's birthday he sends me a text yeah. and it says hey i'm just thinking of you today yeah, that's good that means a lot yeah that means a lot yeah. and it's not an intrusive thing it's not he expects something back it's sure, just course, i'm thinking yeah. of you today
0: Okay, so the first time they see you in the grocery store, what about the second, third, fourth time they see you in the grocery store? Is <laughs> it move on? Is it again and again? What?
1: Is- I think I think that um, it's the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's still, hey, we're praying for you. Yeah. Um,
0: what about how are you doing? This is often a question. this is a how hard are you thing. Doing?
1: Yeah. yeah. Most people don't really want to know how you're doing. Sure. So when you come into a church context, people say, "How are you?" First of all, the majority of Christians, no matter what they're going through, lie about that question. Sure. So, you know, it's kind of a throwaway. Right. But it can, that's a difficult thing. So, you know, Wendy and I, when Taylor died, we had to come up with a kind of a company line. Sure. Like, this is what we're going to say to everybody. Because most people that ask that question aren't prepared for what you have to offer them. Right. So I would not say that. I, unless, unless I, you know, if it was you or someone that I had a relationship with where I felt free mm-hmm. close enough to ask that question and then be prepared, I wouldn't ask that question. I would say, we're thinking of you. Okay. We're here for you if you need us, and then right. leave it at that. Right. Yeah. Because the Christian community is beautiful, but it can be a scary, troubling place. That's why people who suffer many times, who go through divorces and so forth, they just they leave church.
0: Right, right. Because it's not a safe place right. for them. And then they end up resenting the church. They up... So it's interesting you said earlier, don't give the hope that you're going to see them again in heaven. Um, so, as a pastor, as you you preach funerals, I preach funerals. Yeah. Um, do you not get up and and give that hope in the context of a sermon? Then, do you, like right now, do you, is that is that how you you don't say that in a sermon, or no? Do you I say that? I say that in a
1: sermon, but we have to be very careful not to uh, try to make pain go away by saying that. Right. And here's the You're going to see them
0: again. Yeah. So everything's okay. Right. That, that's not... That's and and not. that's
1: the definition of what's wrong a lot of times yeah. with how people interact with you is they want the pain to go away yeah. because they're not comfortable with your pain. Right. Totally. Yeah. So they want that's to explain point. it away. Sure. And you can't explain this kind of stuff away. Right. It's real. It's there. Right. So yeah, of course, when I'm doing a funeral... um, But you know how it is. When you do a funeral, you're doing it mostly for... You're doing it for the people who come. You're interacting with a family at a completely different level. Yep. You've, you've met with them before. You're talking to them before you walk up there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so they can tell if you care about them or not. Mm-hmm. But it's obviously a theological truth that you will see them again, but it doesn't erase the loss. And that's, right. that's what people need to understand. It's like a loss is a loss. Yeah. It doesn't matter how it happened or when it happened, and you can't just fill that void. It's there, right? And it changes people. And the other thing that's very difficult that I find is, people want you to go back to the way you were, mm. but you can't because God is fundamentally changing you through the suffering. He's, right. he's, he's actually bringing yeah, the suffering into your life to change you.
0: Right. So how? So two things out of that. <clears throat> the first one is your theo, your theology around that. Uh, secondly, how has how did Jody change you, and how did Taylor change you?
1: Theologically, it's very clear to me in Scripture that suffering is to refine the believer. Now, there are times when suffering is discipline. There are times when we bring suffering on ourselves, but the kind of suffering we're talking about today is suffering that is somehow wrapped up in the sovereignty of God, and sure. we don't understand and did why. you have
0: that theology already set in yes. place when you went through Jody? I,
1: I did. Okay. So... So that was so helpful? It was helpful, yeah. because um, I've never through either of these incidents really asked why Hmm. my my basic question has been what do you want from me now right. wow. so so with jody what what happened to me with jody is my my faith was i think god used that incident to take my faith and drill it deep hmm. so it would never move wow. and i think i fundamentally grew up and matured as a believer during that experience even though i was already a pastor i was very immature in my faith in some ways hmm. and then with taylor i think what he did during that period of time, is that he he required something of me that I didn't have within me, and that is a steadfastness. And I kept going back to Job, and I kept thinking about those words, you know, you've given, you've taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Right. That's what he was requiring of me. Mm-hmm. And because I had lost something so dear in such a violent and unusual manner, mm-hmm. to be able to do that is not something that comes from yourself. It's something that's enabled by the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit in you. And I would actually thought back to when I was sitting in a class with Wayne Grudem, who you and I and many know as a a wonderful theologian. Mm -hmm. And I took a class from him, and he had just lost his daughter-in-law in a car accident. And so he was describing what that was like for him and I, I remembered in my mind that he said his son-in-law went, and they went to view the body, and he said those words, hmm. and that stuck with me that yeah, whole the word, time. The words from Job. The words from right. Job. Yeah. yeah. What
0: other verses, uh, as you wrestled with the suffering? What other scriptures? So your theology was intact that yeah. suffering yeah. is part of the sovereignty of God, and that that helped. It sounds like. Um, so what other concepts or verses or passages would you go back to? Or sounds like Job, you know, that's a big one. Were there others?
1: Yeah, I thought of, you know, 1 Peter, where it talks about that, you know, suffering leads to refinement, yeah. joy. I thought of Philippians 2 that predicts suffering for the believer. Mm. I thought about Jesus' words that in this world you will have tribulation, but I have overcome the world. Mm. So... Theologically, God had put me in a place where I understood that suffering was part of life for the believer, and those that try to tell us that suffering is not a part of life for the believer, for me... Yeah, talk
0: about that. So, the prosperity gospel... Yeah, it's um, nonsense. Right. It's nonsense. It's going to talk about if you think... You know, I read a uh, a quote uh, from one of the proponents on Sunday... Talked about you might have Alzheimer's in your family, but if you get up every morning and say, I have a good memory, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. that you're not gonna get yeah. it or something. Yeah. Talk about how you worked through that as you sat there going through Jody Suffering Test. Do you go, Oh man, am I did I do it did it ever enter your mind to start to blame yourself? Yes. Okay. So absolutely talk about So why? Even though it was you had this theology in theory that this is a sovereignty of God has nothing to do with me john 9 what starts to enter your mind
1: well you have shame from the things that you've done in the past mm-hmm. and so you start to wonder if this is if this is finally life is evening things out god is right. god is bringing finally what you deserve right. and then of course with a son you're thinking about if i would have done this and if oh, i would right. have done that and if i would have paid more attention to him i wish i would have known what friends he was hanging around with those thoughts come into your mind and you have to wrestle them to the ground because these this is clearly the enemy attacking bringing shame and fear and anxiety into the situation because you're but you're not always thinking logically right. in these kinds of situations right. so one thing i always tell people that come to me and they've gone through something in their lives i'll always say to them whatever comes into your mind just entertain it don't try to just put it aside, but let it kind of sit there, think about it, and then you know begin to address it. So when those thoughts come to mind, and they still do today, mm-hmm. I will think through my understanding of who God is, right. His love, the forgiveness that came on the cross, hmm. that it's done, it's put away. I'm righteous now in Christ. I don't have to entertain those thoughts. But yeah, of course. And that's very troubling. That keeps you awake at night when those thoughts are, are swirling around in your mind, because you can't go back to your past and change it. Right. And now you wonder if you've brought that whole thing. And then the, you know, and you have wonderful people then that will come up and talk about, you know, you you hear about generational sin. And of course, then you have the wonderful neighbor that will say things like, um, you know, if if you just would have had more faith, you know. Did that really happen? Yeah.
0: People said that? Yeah, What are, what are, what are a list of like the top, three or four things people said to you and that just never say this, right? <laughs> well, there's probably so about a thousand, faith, a thousand of
1: them. Yeah. Ahead. If you would have had more faith, yeah. uh, this wouldn't happen. Um, you don't want to hear um, something like, well, you know, God is in this, so it's going to be okay mm-hmm. because you know that to be the truth, but sure. you're not anywhere near ready that being okay, idea. because that's just a condescending way to, for them to sort of puts you aside, right? right? Um, You don't want to have the person uh, come and tell you about their experience. Mm. So I had people coming up to me when Jody was sick. So here I am, I'm struggling with this. And then you've got this person come up and say, no, my aunt Martha died of breast cancer. Oh, man. And you go, really? Did I really need to hear that? So now you got their, Martha and them and their people. Yeah, and then you've got... You know, thank you for reminding me that she may die from this. So it's right, those kind right. of... It's the pithy right. little comments that don't come from a genuine heart, but are like a hallmark card. Right. That come from, you know, their devotional books yeah. that are in the morning that we as evangelicals... You know, Mark, uh, we're we're so shallow. Mm-hmm. We're so shallow that we don't even know how to deal with death, right. dying, and that's why. Grief
0: that's why I find it so important uh, to have this conversation and to know that like we have to have a theology of suffering worked out now because it's going to, it's inevitably going to happen yep. in all of our lives and to have it now is as Piper talks about, put steel in our spine for when it actually takes place. And it sounds like that, that that's was the case with you. You had this theology figured out. If you had had a prosperity gospel mentality when Jody got sick, what, would it have been a burden to you would it have it sounds like it would have been I would have spent my time
1: trying to figure out what prayer to pray right to pull God's you know string magic yeah,
0: yeah the magic right.
1: prayer right right the magic faith right and then she dies what does that leave you with that leaves you with judgment guilt right shame
0: yeah
1: but if you believe that God is sovereign over it then you're left with. Peace, hmm. and I, I so find John
0: with... nine is a great. You know, I don't want to blame this guy or his parents for his blindness. This was used that's right. For, you know, that's right. So when we start to blame ourselves for these things that come into our life, which as you said is inevitable, um, you know, scriptures like that tend to be comforting. Um, how okay? So so what I'm hearing is uh, uh, that there's a sense that you correct me for me. You never really get over this and, and everyone around you is looking for you to get over it. So you can move on and start talking about football again or baseball in your case. Right. Yeah. Um, um, Everyone wants to get there socially in the relationship. So they're looking to you to get over it. So they, you're saying it doesn't, doesn't happen.
1: Fundamentally changes a person. Right. Because, God is fundamentally always changing us and these kind of things they, I mean they change your psychology they change your physiology they change the way your brain works yeah because yeah, you right. everything shifts and changes and how you see the world changes
0: yeah
1: and so so how did you stay Christian
0: how did you, I, I'll, you
1: know, I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you this that the only way I was able to stay Christian was that God had done a work in my life where I had deep enough roots where I could cling to him through this. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, the night that, um, the night that Taylor's killer was arrested Hmm. and, uh, the detective came down, I was at the station house and the detective came down and said, he wants to talk to you. He wants to say, sorry, you won't go up there and talk to him. And I remember all of, all of my theology, all the stuff that I'd learned, Piper's phrase is a good phrase because it all comes rushing back to you and you don't even know it's there. So when you find out that your son has been killed or that uh, your husband's leaving you or your child is sick, whatever it is, that faith that we always talk about, you know, we're watering the grass every Sunday, we're we're reading the word, we don't realize how deep it's going. And then all of a sudden when suffering strikes and we're asked to do something that's abnormal, then that faith is just enacted by the Holy Spirit yeah that's good and and here's 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 the whole rub. People that walk away from God during suffering are people that are making choices, but they're people that are genuinely wounded and don't know how to deal with it. I can only tell you in my case that God is the one who kept me close. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I have a really better explanation than that, other than that I had invested. I invested a lot in my relationship with God before that all happened. Before
0: before the suffering yeah. struck.
1: Yeah, I had invested a lot, and that investment looked like spending time with Him, developing my theology with Him. Yeah. And basically, p- people ask me, "What's your relationship with Christ like now?" And I just tell them, "It's close. Hmm. It's close. It's personal. It's." Closer
0: than it would have been had these things not happened. Far closer. Yeah.
1: And that's the gift. Right. You see, that's what suffering brings. Right. If you allow it to, yeah. suffering ushers in a new dimension right. and of Christ that you've never even experienced right. before. Yeah. And then when, you, when I get up and try to preach this, I have to be careful to draw back a bit because I don't want to bring people into a dark place, but I also want them to know right. that... Jesus is so far bigger and more wonderful than you've ever known. Right. I mean, this is what suffering is for, is it not? Right. This is the biblical idea of suffering, right. to open yourselves up to Christ. This is what brings hope. This is what brings peace and right. tribulation, yeah. you know? And you look at anybody who did anything in Scripture, yeah. for the most part, they went through intense suffering before God ever set them loose on whatever mission they were doing, yeah. because they had to experience the fact that they were nothing without God and with God they were everything. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where I enjoy this new intimacy relationship with Christ now that I never would have had before. Hmm. It's humbling, it breaks your heart, but that's where God comes in and uses you when you're broken, you know? Yeah. I think this is the, this is the, the antithetical culture of Jesus Christ compared to culture mm-hmm. and that is brokenness, heartache, is what causes you to thrive,
0: not right, not success, not power. Right, yeah. Talk about how your prep, like you said, the the seeds that you're sowing into your life, devotional life, prayer life, theological development, then paid off when you hit suffering. Talk about um, you had to face Taylor's killer in uh, in jail. Um, yeah. Tell us what happened. Tell us that story. You, yeah. You're facing him, and how you and what your response was.
1: So I'm, I'm, I'm there. Um, I had already talked to one of his guys that were there that night, who just stared at me the whole time. And so I'm still waiting there. And now all of a sudden, this guy Jesse wants to say he's sorry. So, and
0: this is how long after Taylor's murder?
1: This is about eight months after okay. Taylor's murder, okay. and we had been. The detectives had been there a few days before to tell us that arrests were going to be made. Yeah. And they sometimes asked the family to come. And if the guy isn't cooperating, you know, would you help us? So that's sure. why I'm waiting around. So when he asked me that question, would you come and talk to him? Here's one through my mind. My theology about sin was huge at this point, because I, I believe, as you do, that we have all been wrecked by sin. There is no one that can claim anything mm. of righteousness. And so I am, I am like this guy. I'm no different than him. Mm. I thought about Matthew 5 when Jesus is talking about how murder comes from the heart. Mm. Wow. And I realized that I have murdered in my heart. Right. I'm no different than this guy. Wow. I realized that Jesus said before you come to the altar, go back and make it right with your brother, which is not exactly the context, but it was really ringing in my ear that night. And I realized that I had no option but to go up and and stare this kid in the eye and listen to him. So I go up there and the detectives with me walk into this room. It's a lot like you see on television, just a, a stark room with a chair and the first thing I thought of, oh, the guy's not wearing handcuffs or anything, so he's going to kill me, you know. Because, <laughs> so I walk in, and um, he's he's crying, and he's no beast. He's a twenty-three-year-old young man, and he looks over at me, and he said, "Man, I'm I'm sorry, I did this to your son." Hmm. And I looked at him, and I said, um, "I said your name's Jesse, right?" And he goes, "Yeah." I said. I said, um, I want you to know that we're not bitter towards you. I want you to know that we're working on forgiveness for you. And I want you to know that you can have more than this. Would you like to hear more about God and more about Jesus? Wow. And he said he would after the trial was over. And then he got up and he came over toward me. And I thought, oh, here it comes. Right. And he just put his arms around me hmm. and gave me this huge hug. And, you know, the power of God at that moment was amazing, Mm -hmm. because these things only happen through the power of Christ. And so, then we had to wait another year before the trial, and Wendy, my wife, had never had a chance to talk to him. Mm -hmm. And so, we were at the sentencing, and Wendy, during a break before the judge came back, and we knew what the sentence was going to be, because the prosecution and defense already agreed. Yeah. Yeah. There was no question with that. So Wendy went to the prosecutor. It was just kind of like hardened, you know, like, like the best guy the crown has, which is great. And he was taken aback by all this forgiveness talk and everything. So Wendy, and if you know, Wendy, you you could picture her doing this, Mm -hmm. you know, she goes, Hey, can I talk to him? Can I, can I get in a room with him? And he said, no, you can't, but I can let you talk to him in the court. So Wendy stood up and looked right at him and said, Jesse, we we want to forgive you for this. Wow. And then another amazing thing happened. We, we've we been praying and praying for him. I have a book on my desk that was recommended for me to give to him at some point. And so I leave it on my desk so I can pray for him every day. My son, Jeremy, who uh, lives in the States, um, he came and said, um, Dad, I I want to go visit Jesse because I've been writing to him. Hmm. And so over Christmas break, Jeremy went to offer forgiveness to Jesse, wow. and they spent about four hours together. And Wow. And so Jesse had been going to the church service there. He's, he's reading through the book of Matthew. Hmm. So God is working. And wow. so to go back to your original question, what happened in that moment is all of this stuff that I had digested, Sure. thinking that it was, you know, sometimes you're, you're praying in the morning, you're reading through your Bible and nothing's making sense. You're tired. You're going, God, I don't get this at all. Like that it meant nothing to me. It's all seeping into your soul. Uh, and then when good. you need it, God just puts it there. Yeah, that's good. It's
0: amazing. Um, let me ask you this, because you are in uh, a unique position, um, uh, an awfully unique position where you have lost someone to cancer and then ha- uh, had someone murdered. And uh, the question um, that people often say that it's easier to lose someone to a terminal illness rather than a sudden death because you can prepare, etc, you have this unique hmm. position where you know both of those things. So talk about, is that the case? Is it actually easier to lose someone from a long drawn eternal notes or a sudden death, more shocking, the trauma of it? Uh, talk about that. Is you know, one easier all, than the
1: other? They all have their different nuances of difficulty. You know, when Jody was sick for that period of time, our house was in turmoil for a long period of time. Uh, I was her caregiver. Uh, that brings its own unique challenges to it the loss is still the loss even if you've had a chance to prepare for it right. so someone who loses someone to cancer or someone you know my father passed away this past february you know losing an aged parent we we totally in our culture we just say oh well i'm sorry you you know he lived a good life right, right. you've lost your dad yeah um I don't think there's a good way to lose someone, or a more horrific way. It just brings different ramifications into your life. The yeah. violence aspect of Taylor's murder right. uh, is something that we're trying to work through with my kids. You still, know, still now, still now. Yeah. Oh yeah, very much so yeah. because they're they're trying to. They don't understand how somebody could hurt their brother, right? right. And they don't understand someone doing violence to another. So it would, it would really be a disservice to anyone that's lost somebody that they love to try and grade it as more difficult, because they all are difficult. And God works in all of them through unique and ways. And I think as a culture, we need to get a handle on this idea that a loss is a loss. And somebody is going to experience that, whether it seems more horrific or less horrific or old or young. Sure.
0: It's still a loss. So with your two boys, uh, Josh and Reagan, how are you, they're now how old? They're nine now. So they're still dealing with this. Talk about what you've done in relationship to your family post Taylor and the trauma that the nightmares, the counseling, what have you done to to uh, to get through this with them.
1: Well, we've taken advantages of a lot of the community services that are available. We've all gone to counseling. Uh, I'm still going to counseling, mm-hmm. which I find to be really helpful. One thing I would say to somebody who's lost someone is don't wait a year or two until it hits you. Sure. Get help now yeah. because that's how you start to talk through it. Yeah. Um, regarding the twins, was, you know, we've we've, we've accessed incredible. Uh, play therapy kind of things. Yeah. Uh, different people have stepped into their life at different times. And and then we've tried to be open and talk about it. We've tried to create an atmosphere where mm. it's always okay to talk about it. It's right. always okay to get angry. It's always okay to cry. And we talk about Taylor a lot, mm. you know? And and Wendy's so good because she's not threatened by the existence of Jody that she puts pictures of Jody up and she's oh, yeah. she's a part of people's lives. Right.
0: You know? Yeah. Um, kind of uh, similar question. Uh, how is it different losing someone where there is no one to blame, cancer, versus having someone to blame? Is that, uh, is it stay with you? Knowing someone took someone from you, is that is there? what's the uniqueness in that? You've done such a beautiful job publicly and privately working on forgiving this guy and doing what, seemingly Jesus calls to us, I can't even imagine what kind of, I mean, it's, it's really such a blessing that you've done it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. mind-boggling um, uh, uh, example for the rest of us. Um, but yeah, it, does it stay with you in a different way?
1: It, it does. But in the end, this is where our theology about the sovereignty of God must enter the picture. Mm. Because if we believe that God his purposes are ongoing and that he is sovereign, then Jesse really ultimately didn't take Taylor from us. This is all God's thing. Right. Whether you die of cancer or murder. Yeah. Now there is a different kind of grieving that goes on because now you're you are dealing with the forgiveness aspect sure. of it. You have a different dynamic. But ultimately I believe that this is all God's thing. Right. Right? And if God wanted so this is a this is a larger question for now, but mm. if God wanted Taylor to escape that night, then God would have allowed Taylor to escape that night. Right. God, Psalm you know one thirty nine is clear, God you know, or Psalm one hundred nineteen, Psalm one hundred thirty nine. God has our days right. numbered. Of, numbered. Yeah. Yeah. And I I live by that, and I don't think it's a crutch. I think it's the truth and I I find incredible joy in God's sovereignty. I don't understand why people fight against God's sovereignty. Right. I think it's the most wonderful doctrine that we could ever preach. Right.
0: I guess for some people, they say, "Well, he's a monster." You know, he took your son from you. He 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 oversaw the suffering of your wife. Um, how do you how do you reconcile this? I things?
1: understand that opinion, and I have compassion for that opinion because I. I, I you see You probably the, wrestled through
0: that yourself Sure, That's part of the...
1: I mean, you read a book like Night by Elie Vassell, and you go, wow, like, yeah, how do you reconcile all sure. of this? And for me, I know that God isn't a monster because I know what He is for me. I know what He's done in my life. I know what my relationship is like with Him. I know of, about His love. I know about His care over me and my family. And so when something happens that is her- horrific... I don't go to that because I know who God is, right. and this is why it's so important that we as a Christian culture go deeper and, and explore these these deeper doctrines of God, because this is what helps us to know who God is, whether it's joyful or horrific, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If we're going to swing back and forth, sure. depending on the season of our life, right. then God's going to be whoever He is at that moment, not really who God is. Mm-hmm. But I have incredible compassion for that mm. mindset. And so I would, never, I would never think poorly of a person that is struggling with that question. What I would do with that person is just continue to offer how I see God in my own sure.
0: life. Did you feel, um, and maybe I'll, we'll land with these two questions, did you feel the permission to deal honestly and, and, and authentically with your doubts and your struggles during both these seasons, uh, given that you're a pastor and you're supposed to suffer well and mm-hmm. talk about that tension in both scenarios. What were the, what were the struggles there?
1: Like, no, I didn't feel, I didn't feel the freedom to authentically deal with it because in both situations, um, we were being watched very carefully and I was being put up as an example and right. anything I'm saying today, I'm no exam, I'm just... I'm clinging on to the power of God is all I'm doing, you know? And I had to go behind closed doors and find safe places in order to really express my grief because the church isn't safe for a pastor, unfortunately. It's it's a reality that a lot of pastors deal with. Pastors, as you know, are isolated. Um, where do you go and struggle with different things? Because you know, Mark, you've got a whole church watching everything you do, and they're looking to you for leadership, and where do you go? Yeah. And I, I didn't feel free. But thankfully, God mm-hmm. provided a couple safe places where I could go mm-hmm. and empty myself of that. But still, it's still a struggle.
0: Yeah. So was c- counseling was one of those.
1: Counseling is hugely helpful. I've never been an an anti-counseling guy, I'm always, um, I think everyone should go to counseling <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> at some point in their we life because these, these people are there to help. Yeah. And, and yeah. we're getting some of our counseling from, from non-believers and people You know are always looking for Christian counselors, which can be very helpful, but these people are very skilled in their areas of expertise and grief counseling and ch- you know, children's counseling and so yeah. forth, and God uses these people right. to help. And so um, that's been a huge uh, blessing for our family.
0: Um, All right. Closing it off. um, What would be if you were to try to wrap up uh, maybe two things that people need to do when they're hit with suffering? So people Mm -hmm. listening to this, some of them have been through suffering. uh, Some of them have a cancer diagnosis right now themselves or a family member, or they're going to get hit with it. They might be 20 years old listening to this thinking their life's going to be roses Um, what are, yeah, what are one or two things that you would say to us, um, about how to deal with it?
1: The first thing I would say is be real about how you feel. Let yourself go into whatever you're feeling and don't try to shut your emotions down. These are God given emotions. Mm -hmm. So don't pretend it's not hurtful. And then the second thing I would say is don't give up. Mm. on God. Mm. Mm. Because God may seem distant right now. He may seem, as you said, like a monster. He may seem like he's destroying your world, but he's not. He's loving you. He's caring about you. Don't give up on him. Let him show himself to you. Mm. And then you will understand in time that he, you know, it, it may be heaven that we understand this. I don't know. I mean, right. I'm not, I, I can't see tomorrow, but don't give up on God. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Is that? Is that, you know, someone has said, um, you know, we can go X amount of days without food, X mm-hmm. amount of days without water, X amount of minutes without breath, but we can go very short amount of time without hope. How do you, when you're in the midst of that, how, I, I figure hope is kind of the thing that just gets you up in the morning like how do you how do you get up in the morning with the, like this it's immense really hard. pain that you're in like yeah it's very
1: hard you know and and i think that a lot of it's you have to because you have responsibilities and right. the other part of it is that for me it's always been god has something for me in this right i've got to keep going i got to run the race right. i need to keep going god has something for this and and i would say that if you're if you're right now and you're in the midst of hurting and suffering and you don't want to go forward and you can't it's so hard to get up in the morning i would say that's okay you know that's right you know i mean there were, there was a time after taylor died that i i couldn't even form a prayer right i couldn't right but i knew that god then was leading that relationship mm I didn't have to do anything to try to please God. All right. I needed to do was be with God. Right. So I, I just want to encourage those that are suffering that God is He's not requiring you to be mm. um, you know, a superhero. He just wants to be with you. Mm. He just wants to sit with you and feel that pain with you and then nurture you through it. And unfortunately in this Western culture we've we rarely give him time mm-hmm. or the the space to be able to do that-hmm
0: yeah well thanks Paul this has been uh, really helpful um, because we're all gonna face this in our life and uh, man you have um, been through some some awful things and seeing God you know sustain you and use you has been inspiring uh, for me so thank you for being willing to delve in pretty deep here and uh, I know uh It's not the easiest thing in the world to do. So thanks.
1: Thanks, Mark. It's my pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to the Village Church podcast show. You can find out more about Village Church, including ways to support the ministry at thisisvillagechurch.com.